0: fan band what it do it's your girl just be real and welcome to the season six premiere of just be real podcast whoever's been riding with me on this ride for this long i thank you for those who are new welcome and we got a whole nother season so we're gonna start off our series of nothing but the 90s and nothing better than all that because i'm all that kid so enough of me chatting let's get real Woo woo, fam bam, welcome back for another episode, how y'all living, how y'all feeling, how's it giving, season 6, I feel like we was never gonna get here, but we here y'all, we here, and the consistency is what allowed me to be able to keep pushing for y'all, for real, for real, because life has been lifing and I've still maintained and make sure I deliver for y'all every other weekend or every weekend but this is gonna be a situation where I deliver every weekend because it's a series and it's nothing but the 90s and if y'all can tell from my socials I'm a 90s baby and a 90s kid I don't care what nobody say born 1990 I feel like I was born in the right era wrong time because my sisters were born in whatever time they were born and I'm not gonna put their business out there but There wasn't a time where they could appreciate the 90s. And I don't think I was able to appreciate the 90s the way I should have. And as much as I am infatuated by it. And I'm going to tell y'all why I'm so big on the 90s. It's not because of the 90s being the 90s. Because I'm a progressive hip-hop head. Which a lot of y'all can probably tell. But it's because the 90s was more about self-expression. And just being creatively you no matter what. And it was really not as much judgment if there was. It wasn't depicted in society to be as a judgment situation. If that makes sense. So... I'm obsessed with the 90s. And I'm never going to apologize for it. So this part of our series is called Nothing But The 90s. Y'all heard the All That Theme song by the none other than TLC, T-Boz, Left Eye, and Chili. All That was one of the biggest freaking sitcoms on Nickelodeon for me that we just can't go unnoticed. So like, Sapping Nothing But The 90s Part 1. And here we go. So we're going to talk about 90s black sitcoms i know that all that wasn't a all black sitcom but it had majority of black actors a lot of black actors who were very successful in their careers outside of it like keenan thompson and, and you know and kel mitchell that were very successful in the aspect and you know you know chris knowles who happens to be the twin to tina knowles who also played on the show who chris knowles is the twin to tina Knowles who's on the show who Chris knows was on Taina, which is another, you know, minority sitcom that graced Nickelodeon. And one thing I can always give credit is that Nickelodeon was always ready and willing to expand the boundaries of just not being confined to what was, but what's going to be. And the fact that My Brother and Me was the first ever black sitcom on Nickelodeon in 94 to kind of flourish and be a catapult to all that. And a lot of other sitcoms that follow like my, the Brothers Garcia and a lot of other minority sitcoms is something that we have to give pay homage to. I may be a little biased because, you know, My Brother and Me is a sitcom where my none other where I feel is my homie in my head, Amanda Seals you know, had her true spotlight shined on her for her, you know, her acting creative as Dion on My Brother and Me, which is the best friend to Melanie, who happened to be the sister of Alfie and Dee Dee, which was based on a, you know, middle-class family who grew up in West Charlotte, no pun intended, where the father was a cute and the mother was a Delta. So quick, quick, quick thing for y'all. So if y'all ever know that I'm a Delta, right? You want to know what persuading to me to be a Delta outside of my godmother? It was Karen Fraction playing a Delta on my brother and me. Shh, don't tell nobody. Yes, I was so big on that Coleman love. Like It was so k- cool to see Greek life depicted. Where it took until I got older for me to understand the true essence of what was being portrayed on the television. And how minuscule and rare it was. Because if you think about it, when it came to th- Greek life... It wasn't something truly portrayed on television as a normal situation, like as of IE school days and et cetera, where it was like in a movie depiction. So the fact that I was able to see it on television as a sitcom where it was like a recurring thing to see that their paddles and the, the embrace and ambiance of them embracing, you know, North Carolina Central, which is actually another reason why I wanted to go there. Okay, I wanted to be an eagle. Don't get me wrong. I love Dell State with all my heart. I'm a diehard Hornet, but originally I wanted to go to North Carolina Central University and they didn't give me my acceptance letter until the damn moved into Dell State. Right. Crazy or not? Nah. So clearly God had other plans for me because I still made it to Charlotte or made it to North Carolina as a whole. It just was 10 years after I expected, but I'm here though. So that was true inspiration, which just show goes back to how big 90s black sitcoms were. In a lot of the lifestyles of us, 90 babies, you know what I'm saying? Or those that came before us, like 80s babies, 70s babies, because to see a depiction of a black excellence on a TV screen and be able to correlate it to know that success is also from an HBCU, not just a PWI. You can be a part of a Greek Lego organization that is a part of providing to the culture and the history of doing better for our people. That, outside of a different world, was what pushed me to be a Delta, but pushed me to go to HBCU. It allowed me to know that an HBC was just as great as a PWI because at a point in time, they didn't want us in their school systems. They didn't want us to have the better education, to learn how to read, write, and be accelerated in our craft of knowledge. And what's one thing that they can't take away from us? Knowledge. Because why? It's infinite. And it's in our heads, which is something they can't strip us from. So me being a blurred, which is a black nerd that I was, It literally allowed me to know that it's okay to be smart. It's okay to be equivocal to just know that I have the demeanor to clap back when you want to clap back. If you personally ask me, uh, my brother and me was the start of the beginning between Goo and Dion to let us see the real Amanda Seals. Like, go back and look at the camaraderie between Goo and Dion. He was like, oh, you know, Dion, what is it? You know, you got extra hair in that bag. She was like, oh, why? you want some? But she did it with so ease because that's Amanda Seals. Miss clap back with a fact, period. And I will always respect that because that's what made me fall. That episode within itself, outside of, you know, the cheerleading episode when they're like, "You g l y, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Yeah, yeah, you ugly. And when Ghoul's like, M-A-M-A, ask me how you got that with your mama. What what? your mama? Like, it was like... A true essence of like, that's exactly what we're going through as black kids. But to see it on TV was a whole nother essence of reality for us. Same with the Cosby show. Same with the different world. So this episode of part one of nothing but the 90s is to 90s black sitcoms. And if you're with me, you understand its importance and how, embrace, how much we've had to embrace it to see what we are and how we really compare it to what it is with us on TV today. So speaking of a different world, let's start with a different world. It it stemmed off the Cosby show, which is stemmed off of Cosby, which is the original series that was created by William Cosby, William H. Cosby. Of him pretty much being a doctor or gynecologist, which allowed our let like the family embrace, but allowed a lot of the PG areas of, you know, his five kids, his wife who was a lawyer, him being a doctor, to see that outside of, you know, good times where they had to struggle to get where they are to be able to keep their head above water, you had a black family who was stable, you know, established and ready to give the black excellence and proceed to carry on the torch because Hillman. As much as we know is is not a real college, a lot of us wanted to go to Hillman. I ain't one of the Cosby's. I ain't go to Hillman. That's what Kanye said best. But it's a fact because if we didn't know co- you know, Hillman was a fictional college, if we could apply, all of us would have went. A different world made that possible. And what is actually in history books and to be known, to us that a lot of HBCU applications and intake increased because of a different world. So even though Bill Cosby is not truly one of our biggest, you know, cultural icons right now, he did make a difference in the past to allow us to know that historically black colleges and universities are just as good as any other predominantly white institution that's been presented to us. And it's better to go where we're appreciated instead of places where we're tolerated. So I can say this for myself, like I said, in that conversation, I had with my best friend, Uh, with cross-cultural connection is that I originally had a lot of PWIs where it just reminded me when I was in those classrooms that I need to be where I'm accepted and I'm the majority and where somebody's going to value me. So an HBCU was only going to be the answer. If my mother could have afforded Spellman, that's where I would have been because I prefer to be in the black mecca of excellence, even though they say Harlem is where it started, which is true for the Harlem Renaissance. But like the black mecca of education is Atlanta. I would have went to Spellman. But because it wasn't a part of her budget or her means, and she made it real clear that if I go, there wouldn't be many times I would visit home, my black ass went to Dell State. And I I applied to Dell State off a whim because there was somebody I knew that was able to waive my application fee. And I literally went for four years and loved it and never had a a doubt in my mind I want to transfer. But those who transferred, no shade towards y'all, like you know, going about it. But I feel like a different world touched a lot of topics like what Debbie Allen said with like, you know, HIV with the Tisha Campbell episode and a lot of stuff that wasn't really, rem- you know, put into the forefront for black culture. Like the Mamie, you know, with like Ancient Mama. Now they have, what is it? Pearling Mills Company or whatever the hell that shit is that they have instead of Ancient Mama pancake mix. I want y'all to know I still have my Ancient Mama pancake mix and um, syrup as a memento of what was that's never going to be not because of the whole stigma of them trying to conform to cultural appropriation of what's best to address us as but because that's what the hell i grew up on and you're not about to change shit i've known for the last 30 years of my life like the fuck you tried it so uh, you got the wrong one bitch you got the wrong one that's what amanda says Let me tell you something. I've been on my Amanda Seals bag, and if there's somebody who can be able to take a colloquialism and make it into a song rendition, it is Amanda. And this is why I love her. Period. Like, it's a way of saying, Hi, you tried me without saying you tried me without having given all that extra excess. Like, I, Amanda, you a real one. So make sure I tap into Smart Funny and Black Radio which is on Mondays that she just started with on April 18th because I feel like she's giving the people what they need and deserve. If you can't catch it, catch it on Pandora. I haven't caught it yet, but you know, I do any, all things Amanda I'm supporting, period. And scene. So there's that. But I just feel like a different world gave us another perspective when it came to rape as well. Well, like no means no, given that we just passed on sexual assault month, and you know, being a sexual sort of survivor myself, it's it's pivotal to have those conversations. Like, even when they had a whole thing like, what you gonna put in a time vault, Ron? And he's like, I'm gonna put a condom because we need to protect our country, but protect ourselves. Like, who, how many sitcoms in the 90s were having those awkward conversations? That were making you uncomfortable, like literally, it was a different world. It showed black excellence and you being able to succeed and maneuver through life as a black person, even despite of all the adversities. Like even when they had the L.A. riots depicted, when you know Whitley and Dwayne got married and went to L.A. and the riots happened, and it was like it was given a real time situation of what was going on at the time and how much adversity we were forced to swallow in a time that it wasn't fair to us so like thanks to cosby for giving us that privilege along with living single okay we are living single oh and in the 90s kind of world i'm glad i got my girls literally First of all, y'all know I'm going hard on this because if y'all ever seen the custom jacket I made that's in a different world with Whitley and Dwayne, y'all know that every sitcom I'm about to talk about is on this jacket, which shows how much I am passionate to talk about this because I've been dying to do a series like this and this is literally paving the way for me to just jump on in, okay? So... Living single was a prime example of showing us that as black women, it's okay to be able to be successful as well as know that you don't have to settle. Like you and your girls are going to always have each other's back no matter what. Like being a lawyer, having your, being an entrepreneur, owning your own company, having family members be a part of what you're building, or even being a, something a part of fashion where trying to find your way in identity, and having homeboys in the midst to give you the black perspective is always crucial, especially living in Harlem, i.e. here we go again, Like Harlem is the black Mecca. So Queen Latifah with Flavor Unit Entertainment, that was major for me because one, that was the first time I've ever seen a full-figured woman who looked like me on TV. Now let's really think about it. Like Queen Latifah is not no heavy female, not no thick, but she literally is a full-figured woman who has curves. And a girl who grew up having curves, not knowing how to depict herself in society and not seeing much of herself on TV. That is when I fell in love with Queen Latifah. That is when I fell in love with Dana Elaine Owens. Yes, I know I'm extra because that's just me. But that is when I had the utmost respect outside of her craft in hip hop and her lyricism. Seeing her put on for us full figure females who have body arty body was what was up. And to do it with such poise and grace and be so stern, like, Khadijah don't need you. See ya. It's like, yes, queen. Literally. Yes, queen. Give us what we deserve. And that's what we deserved. Was none other than having Queen Latifah give us what was necessary for us to know, like, your girls, y'all all have your own lives, but just know that y'all all are in this sisterhood together and y'all are still fighting this battle as black women. And that will forever be T. So shout out to her. Another 90s black sitcom that was very pivotal, pivotal that I feel was Smart Guy. Now we all know the Maori siblings grew up in front of the camera. You've had T and Tamara who grew up, with, had their only, you know, their own little girls' group, but you've also had Taj. And there were times where there was a crossover between sister-sister and smart guy where, you know, I don't know if y'all remember the episode where Tia was studying for her SATs and he kind of had to make her, you know, relax. And it was like, you know, TJ was that smart, equivocal boy genius that stepped over into sister-sister, but in reality, those were his actual sisters. It just showed how much of sometimes we're always boxing as black women, where we're put into a a check mark where you have the smart twin or the more expressive twin, where it's like in reality, it was the opposite for both of them in real life, which is crazy, right? So to have their brother jump in on a smart guy and see a 10 year old genius going to high school, you know, a tenacious little body with a thousand IQ, like it showed that being smart was cool. I don't know about y'all, but for me, it allowed me to know that me being in AP and honors classes was okay because I was bettering myself, not just for myself, but for my culture. And a C-Smart guy, where you have a 10-year-old whiz kid, busting high school, yes, I'm taking it from the theme song, and he ain't here with classes with his brother and his brother's best friend and his sister... Just show like knowledge is power. So it's knowledge is infinite. So attain as much as you can without apologizing for what you know. And take it to the best foot forward to know that it's respected by those who respect you. So Taj Maori, you know, T and Tamara Maori, I thank you and I appreciate y'all. For allowing me to see what it is to be one black woman and two to have black excellence when it comes to education, so that's another 90s sitcom. Another one that I hold dear to my heart would have to be Cooper. Hanging with my man, he's so so cool. Okay, so y'all know if y'all don't know, Dawn Lewis is a part of Hanging with Mr. Cooper and Dawn Lewis played Jalisa Vincent in a different world. Okay? So to see her cross over to hanging with Mr. Cooper for season one only, and her doing the theme song, that theme song, first of all, had one of my favorite <laughs> favorite all-time groups ever, female group ever, in vogue, do the fucking intro. In vogue. Baby in vogue was on rock in vogue was that girl and in vogue was in a different world when they played Hope Charity and Henrietta. Hope, Faith, Charity, and Henrietta on that, you know, that whole thing of I wear tight clothing, I high heels shoes It doesn't mean that I'm a prostitute, no, no I like my music, with yeah. wear hip cut clothes That doesn't mean that I'm a silent dope, no, no, no Okay, period, getting to it There were Faith, Hope, Charity, and Henrietta on A Different World and they went ahead and did the theme song for Hangin' with Mr. Cooper, which allowed Dawn Lewis and one of my ultimate fave people, Holly Robinson Pete. I don't know about y'all, but I love me some Holly Robinson Pete. Not because she's just a Virgo, but because what she embodies as a human being is just astronomical the way she advocates for those who can't fully advocate for themselves with the Holly Rye Foundation from autism to Parkinson's disease and taking what's personally affected her in her life and forming it into something to make it an avenue to make it available for everybody else who's being affected by that same situation. I will always give this queen her flowers. I adore Holly Robinson Pete, And to hear her speak about this on Amanda Still's podcast a couple years back, Literally filled my heart to remind me of how, how much I love loved hanging with Mr. Cooper. The dynamic before when it was just Don Ro- Lewis and, you know, Holly Robinson before she became Pete and Mark, you know, Mark was just like, and I I'm about to say Mark Cooper, but Mark Cooper is who he played. Uh, Mark Curry was dope to see how you know, black women and and a black man were able to try to understand each other, to coexist in reality. And even when Don Lewis left the show in season two, and you brought in, you know, Sandra Quarterman and Raven Simone, which who everybody knows is literally the pillar to childhood success. Okay, let me let me just say this time out, time out, time out. Raven Simone crawled so Kiki Palmer could walk. So, Jones, so Coco Jones could run. And don't debate me on it. Raven Simone hat. That's what little girls are made of. That's what little girls are made of. Like, when Missy Elliott back early when she started her little singing career and she was on the Cosby. To having acting and music in her freaking success of where she is still now with Raven's home. Where she still, as we know, hasn't spilled them Cosby checks. can talk about a spits. So where you have Kiki, pa- Kiki stay with a check Palmer who literally stays with a check and started from a killer with the beat to where she's at now, baby with art and music. Here we are. Now you have Coco Jones, who is now on the scene, who was taking from Disney from Let It Shine to where she is now in Bel Air and still doing her music with caliber. You have to pay homage where homage is due. Literally, Lavis Simone made it where it was a childhood prodigy of success and still being able to flourish, damn near, over 30 years later. Uh, black excellence, people. tap in. Okay? So hanging with Mr. Cooper to see her play Nicole with Sandra Corderman, a single mother, and it's like a family dynamic of knowing that family always has your back, lean on your family, to still have that extra support. And it's a, a non-conventional dynamic. 90s classic. And that brings us to In, in Living Color You can tell what you want to In Living Color Living Color was my joint. Yes, you had J-Lo. Yes, you have, you know, you know DJ S1, which was Sean Wayans. But I always thank the Wayans for bringing that to, to the light because it brought culture in a time where there was a lot of diversity, but it was trying to be a lot of appro- appropriation. So you had, don't get me wrong, I still love, with all my heart, YOM TV raps. But it was literally a bite off of Video Music Box. So Uncle Ralph kind of started that whole dynamic and to have the weigh-ins, especially Damon Wayans, take it where they Damon and Keenan Ivy Wayans, take it where they make it where it's for us, by us, on a FUBU type vibe, where they brought our culture in a time and space where there was a lot of rock and roll, where they weren't playing really black, you know, videos michael jackson was the black video first black video they ever played on the on mtv i want y'all to know that and he was pop and he's one of those good ones as they would claim which is the whites would claim is one of those good ones which means if we're able to box and we feel safe we're gonna go ahead and allow it to be what it is where we're gonna just go ahead and deem you as like one of the good ones that's what popped it off and then to have your mtv raps and then have like in living color where it was like a skits comedy like homie don't play that like it was good to see the culture on the screen to give it what was needed to to not what one only keep up with what was, you know, the latest in when it came to music and culture, but also to see the representation outside of just black women, but black males having black excellence. So shout out to the Williams family for building an empire to allow it to flourish Well, now their generations of generations have now tapped into the greatness. Okay. Now coming back full circle to sister, sister. T and Tamara, okay, they were iconic to young black girls like me. I don't know if y'all had the times that y'all would have the black cable box with the black cable vision uh, remote where Channel 11, I don't know about y'all, but WB was Channel 11 for me, where we literally, were, I would watch Sister, Sister every Monday faithfully because I've never seen black girls be so versatile. You even had Alexis Fields, who was a child prodigy as well. Jump into that as D'Avion, which is a very Black name, so I don't know who made that up, but whoever did, shout out to you for bringing the real essence and culture of who we are as Black people, into the sitcom to allow us to see the greatness in sisterhood from two sisters being, you know, detached at birth to come together to where they make a blended family that's not just forced by their parents, but by who they are as individuals, And Tamara was always the more free-spirited, do-for-all, make-it-do-what-it-do, where T was more the structured and kind of in the books. And their parents were the opposite, where Ray was more structured and, you know, Lisa was more of the free spirit. So it was kind of cool to see the camaraderie where technically blended families were accepted. It showed that how... Being blended doesn't always mean it has to be a difficult situation, it doesn't always mean dysfunction. Sometimes there's a commonality where it's the greater good of the children that you make things work because you want to make it work. And if that wasn't a healthy message I didn't receive out of Sister Sister, I don't know what the hell y'all was watching. Okay? But I know for me, being the overachiever that I am in my Virgo placement, it was Moesha, Mouta the Eta the, another 90s black sitcom that. I, me, me, Jessica, personally correlated with 2 because being book smart and being savvy with your words and being able to finesse was a gift, beloved, like Moesha was what was me, like having those friends. Who weren't not saying as smart as me, but weren't as equivally, you know, equivocally equipped to just kind of finesse the way I could without making it seem like I was up to something because my academia, my academia was able to subside that mischievous part of me. That was me. Like I was always up to something, but you never knew because the scholar athlete in me wouldn't allow you to know that's what I was doing. So like That's where we were. So like Moesha allowed us to see that sometimes coming from different worlds, you have to see people for who they are and look at their perspective and never just judge like, Hakeem had a single mom where, you know, they were struggling as opposed to, they were next door neighbors. Moesha had a two parent household, even though she had a stepmother, but she had a father that was very active and very influential in her life. As well as a little brother where she was the oldest, where it took a lot of responsibility for her to be the example of what was needed, which I feel like in black culture, a lot of the older siblings have the pressures to have to be technically that quote unquote secondary parent without knowing that's what they are because in, in black culture, you're supposed to take responsibility for your younger siblings without saying it. You know what I'm saying? But to be academically inclined and still be multifaceted in like music and poetry and this, you know, the newspaper and wanting to always do better for her culture and community is what made me feel like ah, Moesha is that girl. But to see that college was always her goal to always want to rise above the standard that society set on her 90s classic. Now, freshman to Bel Air. Now, if y'all know me, baby, y'all know I am the queen of 90s nostalgia. I dress 90s by choice, okay? Because again, like I said, it's an era where I feel like being you was never a chastised moment of having to be boxed in without just just expressing yourself it was a time of freedom and i feel like liberal liberal acceptance so fresh prince of bel-air watching will go from the have-nots to the haves and still spinning a fresh prince of bel-air as a as as a a part of i'm gonna bring my own swag to what i can give to this on some philly swag is what I all respected. You have an uncle who's a judge, an aunt who's just, you know, multifaceted, a cousin into fashion, another one who's, you know, a goody two-shoes while other is just trying to explore life. And you have a black butler. That's something we've never seen. Like, if you think about it in real time, how many black butlers did y'all see in the 90s on a TV show that served a black family? I'll wait. Jeffrey was family. And the fact that we showed that you can still have it all and still get that extra assistance to help you want to have in life because you need it. But you're, you're accompanying your own to make their own money just shows like, yo, you can be great, but bring somebody else along with you for them to be able to reap the benefits because you're not really a boss if you're sitting at the table by yourself. Let me say that again. You're not really a boss if you're, not sitting, if you're sitting at the table by yourself and everybody who, that you know is not coming with you in the process that you really, really, really fuck with. So watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, one, I got my style, two, that's when I got introduced to Will Smith, not knowing that was his first ever true premiere. Shout out to Quincy Jones for giving him his big break to who he is today. And to see the true essence of how, even though you go into a space where you're given as a have, the life traumas, if you don't deal with them, i.e. what Will had to deal with when it came to Lou, which is his father, if you don't deal with it, it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life to never feel like you're adequate enough to be good enough. And you would also see when it comes to Carlton, he has to over exercise who he is for him to be seen because the family focuses on Will because he's one of the have nots and underprivileged as opposed to Carlton who's been given the availability to know that he has a past, i.e. like Jack and Jill to be able to pursue. So black excellence and diversity, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is one and that's why I fucked with Bel-Air even though I know it's not 90s, but Morgan Cooper did his thing. My Martin, I am, I'm the man, oh, ooh, ooh. My, it's on, it's on, I'm the man, oh, yeah, do, 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 do. Uh, ooh, it's all that, okay, I know I'm at the last season of that joint, watch out, okay, I know I'm at the last intro to that, because we know Martin's intros and themes have changed drastically throughout the seasons, but the longevity, the comedy, The refreshingness, the ability to just go back to familiarity with Martin is forever going to be a staple in black culture. I have only season one and season two on the disc. I'm not going to hold you. I'm not a big Martin fan. But trust me, when I tap in, it's always a good time. It gives me the essence of knowing black love is true and genuine. Where you can come from two stiffer sides of the spectrum and create something great. Martin is pretty much not the same caliber as Gina because Gina comes from an upper echelon family and they always felt like she was belittling herself by rocking with Martin. And Martin was raised by a single mother, so that's always mama pain. Not my mama biscuits. Not my mama biscuits. But to see them bring their worlds together and collide and see the friendship and the bond between Gina, Martin, Tommy, and Cole was something that... Again, like Living Single showed us that black men and black women can coexist and you can advocate for each other without having to diminish and disintegrate the privilege and the the stature of what each, you know, each gender was. So, you know, Tommy always being that voice of reason, Cole being that oblivious kind of situation was just like it is what it is. But then having Martina be the most opinionated, but Gina being willing to support her man even at times when she shouldn't. Come on now, like that's excellence, and the fact they're on thirty years, coming up on the thirtieth anniversary of the greatness, and I can't wait to see that reunion. It's refreshing for my spirit to know that you go, boy. Like that just shows how important. Like down to the first episode when they had the—I don't know if y'all y'all remember—but the first episode goes back to when it was like it was a gender kind of combat between gina and martin when he was telling all the business on his radio show about gina but not letting it be known like yo you have sensitive moments and you know moments where you're very vulnerable like you did when you cried watching the little mermaid like don't make it seem like you're this macho you know this macho pig when you tap into your feminine sensitivity and are able to just express yourself when it's just you and i so that being the first episode to start off the whole series was very big because it let us know that One, a black woman can be successful because Gina was hell of a successful when she's had that first episode and Martin was a radio personality, but it's just showed us how boundaries are very big and how important it is to enforce them to kind of sort of make sure that there's no infiltration into your bond when it comes to love. So shout out to Martin. Family Matters. Family Matters was a show for me because I don't know how Judy went to her room and never came back. Jamie Foxworth went to her room and never came back. We never seen Jamie Foxworth after that. We don't know where she went. We don't know how it happened, but it just was Laura and Eddie. And that was the end of that. But again, it showed the blended family dynamic to have, you know, Harriet allow Rachel to come in with her son after her husband passed away, being a widow and bringing her in and allowing mother Winslow, who happens to be, you know, uh, excuse me, Carl's mother come in. It just showed how important it is to have generational information passed down. Because Mother Winslow, I don't know if you remember that episode with the quilt and then Laura sold it and then regret selling it because of the, you know, the pastime of what each stitch meant and Mother Winslow explaining it to her. I don't know about a lot of y'all, but I got the privilege of living with my grandmother my whole life. So I got that and that shit hit my heart. To let me know that my grandma's not going to be here forever. And whatever she passes to me as a a family heirloom, cherish it. Because the trauma Black people went through to where they are, because my grandma was born in 1920, you can imagine her parents were sharecroppers. It's something that's a stigma, but it's also history that you would never want to get rid of. It allowed me to know that Black history is so pivotal in American society that we don't get recognized for, that we have to keep our generational you know, traditions passed down in our families and remember how important it is to be there for each other. So having Rachel and Richie move in, had mother Wenzel live with them also and just show the modern family of what it is to be a family growing up in Chicago, not underprivileged, not having stability because Harriet worked, Carl was a part of the law force. And having kids make mistakes and seeing that mistakes are known when you're in your teenage years was refreshing. To also have a neighbor that's annoying as fuck, I've been there, done that. So I get it. Keenan and Kel. Oh, here we go. I'm about to homeboys and homegirls. Shout out to worlds with Kenan and Kel. We keep it jumping in the afternoon. So don't touch that dial. Don't leave the room. First of all, they had Coolio on their theme song. Coolio was on Keenan and Kel's theme song. Are we gonna talk about it? Or are we gonna talk about it? Coolio was on Kenan and Kel's theme song, and we know Kenan and Kel came from all that. This is all that. Boom! The fact that two, not one, but two black males got a spinoff of their own show from a not saying predominantly white, but from an all from a sitcom that wasn't revolved around their culture to now embrace the culture and go ahead and give and deliver comedy for kids, baby, rarity, Kenan and Kel spoke to my soul when I seen Coolio was in the fucking intro, the fact that Kenan get, got them in shit, but Kel was always a or a to just rock out, was like, yo, friendship, when you have somebody who's adventurous, you're going to always get out of it. But to see the bond between two black men embrace and love each other, which is not a lot of what we see now today in, in, in a lot of television, it's just like, it was dope to see a true friendship and brotherhood from my young age depicted on Nickelodeon. So, shout out to Kenan and Cal. The Wayne's Brothers. Back to the Waynes family. I told y'all, like, this family is fucking invincible. The Waynes Brothers was something that I tapped into when I got, like, into, like, Middle school because it was too mature for me, but again, to see a black man raising his sons, even though their mother was active, but that black man raising his sons for his sons to be the best, and you have two brothers from two other perspectives. To me, I feel like the Wayans were a male version of Sister Sister, where you have two different siblings on two different spectrums, you have a one parent raising them. But they got their own mindsets and like, you know, goals. But there's always the big brother taking care of the little brother. It just shows like, again, the stigma of having the older, the older siblings have to put the weight on their back. But the Wayans was pure comedy. Like a lot of people like Maria Horsford was like one of my faves to see D, a.k.a. D be a security guard, but be very active and like Pops, which is John Witherspoon, may he rest his soul. Just be such a comedic genius. And just to see all of them come together just to produce such seasons of what we now have like as a staple. Because it's on HBO. My thing is, if you make it to HBO Max, you're a staple in black culture. And the Wayans Brothers is one. So shout out to, you know, Marlon and Sean Wayans. Like after all of that happened between their brothers And, like, in Living Color Stop, they created their own lane and their own segment that I will always respect. The Cosby Show, we already know because that came and brought a different world to see, you know, kids, five kids still be successful. Just shows that probably a lot of why a lot of women today show, like, I can have it all. I can be successful. I can still be a mother. I can be a father. I can still be active. But at HBCU, is your prime example, so let's make it happen. Rock. A lot of y'all might not remember Rock, but Rock was my shit I loved rock rock was my shit like rock was one of those shows because it came out the heart of Baltimore it it spoke on a culture or a, a demographic that wasn't really seen or like shed life on so to have rock was like a blessing to me because you have Ella Joyce who was everybody knew You had Alexis Fields, who was known because she's the sister of Kim Fields and the child of Chip Fields. (coughs) Where you have a family struggling to make it out of Baltimore to have the best where you have a garbage man who makes an honest living, the wife who's a nurse, and they're taking off adversity of life's normalcies of the elections, between a time where it was really critical, like, you had Reaganomics at the time when the show was produced. You had gun violence. You had Heavy D in places like that. You had The Lock. Like, you you had Lock, you know, people that was a part of this, that was a part of hip-hop culture, participating in such a show that made a difference. Like, you even had Invoke Live your life today, not for tomorrow. That sang a theme song, like, Come on, rock was it. And then you had a where he was taking care of his father, who was older, who was a train conductor and was retired. Like it was an acclamation of, again, a blended family, but them not, I would say, struggling to get out from where they are, but showing how much of what reality was like gun violence, unnecessary violence, youth being able to be distrayed in a path that's not necessary, drugs, like warfare. It was important for us to see that and see how it affected us not just in society but as as black people so rock will forever be my joint if y'all know about rock go watch it hbo max yet again in the house in the house ll cool j his big break outside of music was in the house debbie allen maya campbell like you have big heavy hitters and to see a single mom raise her two kids after a divorce with a retired professional football player who had charm and essence but was struggling with the IRS. The family, this is. This was the essence to show us in the 90s of what it is to choose your family. They became a family we didn't know. And then you also had, no, you know, lo and behold, another weigh-ins enter the situation. Like, you had... Kim Wayans, who was one of the people from In Living Color, which was known, jump into this mix of greatness, black excellence, and just add the comedic genius that was necessary to keep the series going for as many seasons as it did. So, In the House, to me, was just showing like, this is what Chosen Family looks like, this is how we should bond, and this is how we should go. The Parenthood, another HBO Max availability. The Parenthood, to me, was just greatness. One, because when it came to Reagan Gomez, Preston, another Afro-Latina who literally represented for the culture of Puerto Ricans and blacks like no other, you had Robert Townsend who was kind of building an aura of what it is to be black parents raising your kids in the 90s. You have a son, you have a daughter, and you have a youngest you have, you know, two younger children in elementary, you know, in middle school in childhood, like not elementary school. You have two younger children living in elementary school, as opposed to two kids in the, you know, with the pressures of society to conform, where you're trying to, as a professor and a mother pursuing her law degree, try to find the balance to be able to make time for both. How often did we ever see the mother pursue her dream to be a lawyer and the father still holding it down? It wasn't many sitcoms giving that energy. It wasn't many sitcoms showing how you could be a mom and also be, you know, a student, a, a, a lawyer that was a student. It wasn't much to show that you could be a professor and still give the education, but also philanthropy by taking in TK, who happened to be a stray or somebody who tried to rob you, but you take that boy in to try to make him your own and make him family. That, to me, for when it came to the parenthood, was showing humanity. It allowed me to know that it's okay to have compassion for my fellow black brother and sister. And it's okay to welcome them into spaces of what they're not used to and teach them what it is to also know to be able to have. And know that you don't always have to scrap and have a crab in a barrel mentality. So, Robert Towson, I thank you for that gem. The Jamie Foxx show, we already know. It gave us a whole thing of what it is to own. I feel like it gave us the property of knowing what fiscal responsibility is and financial literacy. You have a black couple who owns a hotel and run it literally with black employees to have as best service possible. It showed us that anything is possible. So the same way you have the Ritz and the, you know, the Hilton, you have you know, the tower. I don't remember the name of it, but you had, you know, whatever tower. And that allowed us to see that property, there's equity in property and success and fulfilling when you invest in yourself. And that's nothing wrong with that. The same with Gullah Gullah Island, which was based off of a black family in the South. Gullah Gullah Island is based off pretty much the, the fact of our ancestors making something out of nothing and having our own rituals. To see as a young kid on Nick Jr., A black family, literally same mother, same father with children, where they take in their niece, and they're literally going by rituals and expressing the culture of what it is to be black unapologetically. Binya Binya was my guy. Gullah Gullah. Binya Binya. That was my shit. Come and let's play together in the bright sunny weather. Let's all go to Gullah Gullah Island. Gullah Gullah. Binya Binya. Come on now. Like, Vanessa Badden, I don't know if y'all remember her, but outside of bigger Vanessa Batten that she was that girl. She was that girl for Gullah Gullah Island. She was that girl for Kenan and Kel when she played Kenan's sister. She, on top of the, you know, the whole thing of what they were giving, the aesthetic of embracing African American roots is what let me know like it's okay to be black. It's okay to be fire. The same way it was for famous Jet Jackson. You had famous Jet Jackson who was like a superhero who was out here defending whoever he could just to protect humanity as his own like black Superman. Like that was dope to me to know that was on, you know, Disney Channel. But like my brother and me. (laughs) Baby, my brother and me. My brother and me. Like I said, is where I fell in love with Amanda Seals. My brother and me was the first. Black sitcom on Nickelodeon. Did y'all hear me? The first black sitcom on Nickelodeon. It is a staple in black culture for Nickelodeon. As much as it only ran for one season, baby, it ran when it ran. And that within itself, like I said, showed its own diversity and culture. And that's enough said. Like I already talked about it. But last but not least, the Steve Harvey show. We all love some good old Steve Harvey. You know we love Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey is a part of black excellence. He had comedy with the kings of comedy. He had the Steve Harvey show. Now he has, you know, Family Feud. Now it's like Steve Harvey's court, all this other stuff. Like it to me showed how important teachers are. He was a black music teacher who invested in his students, Merlin Santana. You know, lawyer Beth Denberg, a lot of his students and showed his time and how much he was not just an advocate, but a father figure. The dynamic between him and Wendy Raquel Robinson just showed how it is. Sometimes you have situationships in black culture, but you have to stand above. But when it came to Sadie and LaVita, Alizé Jenkins, we seen black love at its finest. OK, <coughs> excuse me, we seen what it was to truly be about your man but we seen what it was to literally embrace your students and take them for what there was so when it comes to ninety sitcoms they can't be touched okay and that's part one so as i always say on air keep it real be real be true and always be unapologetically you